Hello! John, GM for Galdercast here. Due to an unfortunate technical issue, our last session's recording was corrupted and we are unable to release the live play of the game. This means that for you all not to miss out on the events which transpired, there will instead be a narration of the session done by me. We are all very saddened by this particular instance of Murphy's Law, but alas, the game goes on and so you don't come back to our live play next session wondering what happened, this is the best course of action. Again, we apologize for the lack of proper episodes from this session and hope to get back to our regular game soon. Without further ado... Hello, welcome back to the Galdercast. Background audio for this episode is brought to you by Sirenscape, a great source for amazing atmosphere and music. You can check them out at sirenscape.com. Music comes from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and Darren Curtis at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. Licensed under Creative Commons Attributions Licenses 3.0 and 4.0 respectively. Additional music from Arcane Anthems. You can support them at Patreon.com slash Arcane Anthems. Now, on to today's episode of Galdercast. On the morning following their EDP, the group takes some time to rest, and debate on whether to head to where the magical pin on the map in Zed's office is placed. In the end, they decide to see about where his next job offer will end up. They soon head to his home, being greeted by the halfling at the door, and led to Sir Zed's office. Sir Zed tells them that their job is purely an exploratory endeavor, some three and a half days journey south of Amanos. <coughs> Sir Zed tells them that their job is purely an exploratory endeavor, some three and a half days' journey south of Amanos. The location is a recently discovered necropolis, and they are to search it as far as they can delve, and bring back any items of interest that they may find for additional pay. The group is offered a base of 500 gold for the job, with an additional five, with an additional 50 gold for each item of interest acquired. Smiley attempts to gain a higher payout, and after a little bit of back and forth, and a less than ideal persuasion check, is told that if they document their findings in great detail, and find the dangers sufficient enough, Sir Zed will negotiate possible additional pay. The group relinquishes to the agreement, and Sir Zed asks if they have a name for their group, as contracts are a lot easier to outline in this. They make a note to think of a possible name for their ensemble during their travels. Leaving Sir Zed, the group takes a brief detour to acquire a few maps and cartographer's tools from a local shop. <clears throat> they then set out on their journey. The first to roll for the travels is Smiley. At this point, it is early in the afternoon, and the group travels away from Amanos, walking along the road and seeing the rolling hills of the Mythia countryside. Sometime near dusk, Smiley notices an odd stone tower rising from a small nearby wooded area. The group decides to take a quick detour and investigate the tower. On their approach, they find that the tower is set in the middle of some space between trees, sticks and debris scattered around its base. Finn casts Detect Magic. Immediately, he sees the tower emits conjuration magic. The group debates briefly on what to do and investigates around the area. Finn notices that there is a door and knocks on it. There is a moment of silence. The door opens. Reading them, in the door is a gauntly thin individual, dressed in faded and old off-white clothing with long white hair and pale blue, almost gray eyes. 
their face a blank, neutral stare, their eyes constantly wandering around the area, never looking anyone in the eye. Noticing this, Axel rolls insight, but rolls low and believes them to be blind. The group remain just outside the tower door, questioning the strange individual, and only receiving vague and slightly confused answers at best. Eventually, this individual introduces themselves as Fury, inviting the group into the tower, and they finally get their first proper look inside. Inside is a single room that spans the entire height of the tower, with several balconies lining the perimeter along the height, a spiral staircase rising through them. The interior is darkly lit by a low-burning hearth and sconces that are scarcely more than embers. Books, parchments, and shelves lie in a scattered mess across the tower floor and the rising floors above, behind which Sigmund notices there are overlapping anatomical diagrams of species and creatures of all kinds. The empty space of the tower's height is filled with ropes, chains, and hooks, from which are suspended a number of odd trinkets, cages, and even parts of creatures, including a few articulated skeletons. Continuing their conversation with Fiori, the group learns that they claim to be a biologist, and exist in the tower which seems to move around, or perhaps the tower remains still, everything else moving around it. They're not too sure which one it is. During the conversation, Sigmund wanders around the room, searching for arcane symbols. After a good roll, he finds there to be a large spell circle covering the entire floor of the tower's base. From what he can see of the revealed circle, it seems to be linked to the conjuration magic. The group continues to question Fiori in regards to them and the tower, but only receive more relatively vague answers, learning little more from their subsequent insight check. Both individually and unanimously, the group decides that Fiori is too dangerous to interact with any further, and they begin to make their leap. Sigmund is the first to leave, Smiley following soon after. As Axel goes to leave, Finn waits and attempts to cast Charm Person on Fiori, but they succeed easily in spell. At the same time, Crisis offers Fiori a Frost Beetle, which apparently they did not yet possess a specimen of. In return, Fiori hands Crisis a small box containing two glass vials of a faint red liquid. In the panic of the moment, Finn quickly tries to figure out if they should take on this strange person before they become too much of a threat. After a very quick insight check, they realize that Fiori is much too dangerous to attempt doing so. Smiley returns to the room, and attempts to gain Fiori's aid by offering fiend specimens. Fiori says, they already have them all. Unsettled, Smiley goes to leave again but stumbles on a stack of books, revealing an articulated skeleton of an immensely large horse. With the remaining group sufficiently panicked, they all quickly leave the tower, closing the door behind them. Once out of the tower, Crisis gives Sigmund the vials, which are identified as being two minor healing potions. The group continues their travel until darkness falls, and still feeling unsafe and too close to the tower, decide to set up some night watches. Throughout most of the night, very little transpires. Although, during his watch, Ben notices that the basic that best wire symbol of Kelimvor he once fashioned is now an intricately made wireworked symbol of a skeletal hand holding a scale. During his watch, 
Axel takes some time to practice with his hexblade, changing its form as he does. Though, he finds himself becoming oddly hungry throughout. The next day, Crisis has the role for travel. Rolling a natural 20, the group travels double the distance and removes one day of travel from their time. The day following is Finn's turn to roll for travel and rolls an uneventful day of good travel. They are now one more day closer to their destination. During their night watches, the group notices that there is a lot less animal activity around the area. In the morning, Crisis and Smiley roll survival to find where exactly the necropolis lies. With a high roll from Crisis, they find it in short time. Sitting in a shallow valley is a large structure of sorts. A number of concentric circles and intersecting lines between, all made of mounds of stones piled up one on top of the other, with a large, single mound of stones set at the center. Finn, Crisis, and Smiley take a little bit of time to map and sketch their findings. Finn rolls history to see if he recognizes what kind of structure this is learning it to be a mix of several different cultures, all very far apart from one another. The group, especially Finn, are reluctant to approach the disturbing, strange stone circles. Crisis, on the other hand, skitters over without a care. Crisis rolls investigation in order to find an opening to the necropolis. And after a good roll, he quickly finds an entrance hidden by perspective, which the group promptly enters. Progressing down an uneven flight of their worn, ancient steps of stone and earth, the group find themselves in a diamond-shaped room with a well of stagnant water and a portcullis blocking the way further in. Axel and Crisis investigate the adjacent rooms, finding one filled with shelves of pots and jars, the other a dead-ended hallway partially collapsed with a pile of earth. Sigmund and Finn look through the iron bars blocking their way, which they can see that after a short haul is a near-identical room to the one that they are sat in, complete with the same well of water. However, that one is something sitting on its surface. Not sure what next to do, Finn suggests that he misty step past the bars. Both he and Axel postulate on simply breaking the bars. Sigmund searches for a lever to open the bars, and after a lull investigation check, is unsuccessful. With no other plan, Axel begins to strike at the bars with his hexblade in the form of a warhammer. Crisis and Finn look into the well of water. Crisis lows roll in perception. Finn rolls high, and sees that there is a pressure plate at the bottom of the well. They wonder for a moment what they could use to push it down. Crisis realizes that the best thing would be to fill a jar with dirt and just let it sink. Doing exactly that, the bars lift with a scraping of metal and stone, and the group progress further in. Passing through the next room into the following hallway, they find an empty room off the hall with its far wall covered in an intricate carving. What they see is a boss relief depicting a large, horned metal helm, around which are small, intricately weaving and overlapping fiendish figures, all of which wear expressions of absolute rage and are wielding vicious weapons, all wreathed Flames. Group pause for a moment, unsure of what to do with the mural. Ultimately sighting, we'll come back to it. Continuing on through the hallway, they find a small corridor with a collapsed floor, past which Finn can sense evocation magic with his spell Detect Magic. The group debates for a moment on how best to get across, 
but again decide to return to this particular area later on. The group soon comes to an intersection. To the left, a square room with two additional doorways and a small alcove. To the right, a looping square hallway. Crisis goes to the looping hallway to the right, finding a ring of keys, an empty jail cell, and a locked wooden door. Crisis uses the keys on the door, suffering 1d4 of lightning damage, and it unlocks. Inside is a chained skeleton with 50 gold, which Crisis quickly pockets. The rest of the party goes to the left to the square chamber, finding one doorway leading further on, and another leading to a room with yet another mural. Axel tries to enter the room with the mural, but as he walks through the doorway, he instead emerges from the alcove back into the main room. Finn instead uses Misty Step to bypass the doorway entirely and jumps straight into the room. Now inside the room, Finn can better see what the mural depicts. Similar to the one that they just found earlier, though depicting an emaciated figure, around which are similarly intricately carved fiendish figures. These ones, however, are gauntly thin and doubled over prone around the central humanoid. Finn leaves the mural and walks perfectly fine through the doorway back into the main room. Sigmund and Axel test the different doorways to see which one leads where, eventually finding the correct one in order to progress further. Continuing onwards, the group finds a small room that smells faintly of sulfur and phosphorus, but is otherwise empty. The room directly after is a large chamber with four columns, a little ways off the walls on either side. Before entering, with his detect magic, Finn notices there is a large sigil on the floor, emitting evocation, along with two smaller points on each of the third pillars. Sigmund rolls perception in an attempt to also see the magical circle. Rolling low, he's unable to. He then casts his own detect magic. Together, he and Finn then go about working to disable the enchantment on the floor. Both roll high arcana checks and are able to disable the magical trap with a small burst of flame coming off of it as it goes inert. Wanting to render the other two traps inert as well, Sigmund and Finn find that they are unable to cross or look at the sigils without them activating. Seeing as both these traps are pointed towards the outer walls, the two decide that these are just best left untouched. On their way to the next room, the group finds two dead-ended corridors, both with circular openings in the walls at the back, through which they see a thick cord reaching both up and down. Suspecting these to be trapped, the group continues onward, not bothering to test fate. Soon finding another looped hallway, with one room blocked by more iron bars, behind which Finn and Sigmund can sense more evocation magic, and a narrow corridor leading further into the necropolis. Figuring that the previous cords would probably open the bars, Crisis and Finn pull the cords simultaneously, opening up the room. Quickly searching through the room, they find that the magic is coming from inside a small box, approximately two feet long and one foot wide. Sigmund tries to unlock it using his lockpicks, but after a failed tool check, breaks the lock. Finn immediately uses Eldritch Blast to destroy the box, luckily doing such little damage that the item inside is untouched. Clattering across the floor ahead of them, they see a single metal arrow wrapped in a pale cloth. They pocket the item for later identification. Heading on to the next room in their exploration, they come across a wall with three sconces, another set of iron bars blocking their way into a larger room, and a narrow corridor that splits in off into three different directions. Axel lights the torches through the sconces to see what happens. Nothing happens. 
Crisis pulls the central sconce, testing to see if it is a lever. Correct in his guess, the bars raise, and Axel and Finn go into the next chamber. Meanwhile, Crisis goes to explore the narrow corridors, finding three small chambers. Two are empty, with carvings of a fanged mouth and an open, gauntleted hand on the back walls. The third, containing a small pedestal, on top of which sits a square stone bar about half a foot long and one inch wide. A detailed carving, a gauntlet with a closed fist at one. Searching to see if it is trapped, Crisis finds there to be a small pinpoint pressure switch underneath its bar, and a tiny hole in the pedestal's base. He decides to leave the stone bar for the time being. Axel, Finn, and Sigmund enter into the large chamber, finding piles of bones from humanoids, birds, rodents, and other animals, all littering the floor throughout the room. Wary of these bones, Axel sets about destroying all of the skulls with his warhammer. Sigmund and Finn look on as Axel destroys every skull he can see, sending teeth and bone debris flying across the room. Sigmund and Finn roll Perception. With a low perception, Sigmund fails to notice anything past the clattering of bone on stone. Finn, on the other hand, with a much higher check, notices that the teeth flying across the room begin to move once they land, skittering across the floor with dark legs. The teeth, which turn out to be tiny beetle-like creatures, swarm together into a mass of dental nightmare, with two more swarms emerging from other piles of bones. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caldercast. Today's episode featured Dan as Alaric Smiley Grin, Jaden as Axel Auschgear, Sadie Bennett as Finn Auschgear, Tanya as Crisis the Kobold, Kevin as Sigmund Drakram, and Sean as Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed the episode, consider leaving us a like, comment, or review, as well as share the episode to help others find our podcast. If you want to know when new episodes come out, you can always follow us on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Stitcher under Caldercast. You can also find us on Twitter at Caldercast for future episodes and possible channel updates, news, or other notifications. Thanks again, and we'll see all you crows in the next episode of our adventure.